0: Welcome to Podcast Sans Frontiers, a Metal Gear Solid audio experience. Here, we infiltrate the narrative, interrogate the characters, extract the themes, via Fulton, of course, and finally face down the technological behemoth that is the Metal Gear franchise. Get to waiting, huh? I'm Manu, also known as Manuclear Bomb. Hi, I'm Brian. Today's episode is Rebooted, Rearmed, Recharged. Our second episode on 2013's Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Today we will square up Jack, aka Raiden, as well as kick off the story of the game. But first, our spoiler warning for this and every episode. Everything is declassified. We know who Sigint becomes, we know who Meryl marries, we know the fate of Master Kazuhira Miller. This is not a playthrough podcast. It's all on the table for discussion as we progress through the games. My sword is a tool of justice. So we'll start today talking about Raiden, a.k.a. Jack, played by Quentin Flynn, and because we don't elide any of this stuff, we just want to reiterate that Quentin Flynn is a sex pest. Um, I do like him as Raiden in the two Metal Gear Solid titles and now this game, but I'll just leave it there. I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. I mean, no, he seems like a bad guy. Sure does. <laughs> sure does. I think we'll gloss over some of Raiden's origins and design history from the Solid side of things. If you want a refresher on Jack, I'd recommend checking out our previous episodes about his character, Episode 10, Infinite Ammo from Metal Gear Solid 2, and Episode 28, White Blood from Metal Gear Solid 4. We're also going to skip over some of the Meteor character arc stuff right now, because just like with Solid Snake, after we wrap this game, we are going to look back at Raiden through his uh, Metal Gear tenure. A lot of the same themes you already associate with Raiden, from child soldiers to the man in machine tropes, are already well-established from his prior two canonical appearances. The very earliest conception of Metal Gear Rising starred Gray Fox, not Jack, but Kojima deferred to his staff who wanted to do a Raiden game instead. To that end, Kojima said that if this game were about Gray Fox, he probably would have directed it and been more hands-on overall during production. I'll also mention here that in the lead-up to The Phantom Pain, a popular fan theory was that your Venom Snake character was going to end up being Gray Fox, a.k.a. Frank Yeager. We'll unpack that one when we get there, of course. I might have liked that more. <laughs> Oddly enough, both Quentin Flynn and Japanese voice actor Kenyu Horiyuchi were not originally a- approached to reprise Raiden, though both would come back in the end. And the game would feature a new look for Raiden with new cybernetic armor and an eye patch, not unlike the original Jack, aka Big Boss, or his own mentor, Solidus, though previous skins would be included. And in terms of characters in this game, Raiden would be the only one designed by Yoji Shinkawa. Speaking of armor, there were several new customizations in addition to the older designs. There would be armor geared towards healing, Inferno armor for better use of grenades and explosives, and command armor for stronger traditional attacks. Oh, and Grey Fox skin and sword would be available as well. Raiden has a whole assortment of special moves and combos in this game, usually named after his thunder and lightning motif. And most of the animations and attacks derive from stuff we saw in Metal Gear Solid 4 in his fights against the Gecko and Vamp. Raiden will also unlock additional weapons in this game, such as a polearm and size from beating bosses, which we will cover in turn as they come up. The game itself will dive deeper into Jack's past, namely the Jack the Ripper era, and more than just as a f- historical footnote as discussed in Metal Gear Solid 2. Jack essentially joker himself halfway through this game, which will be a lot of fun to cover.
1: He comers, and then he, he gets, becomes more powerful. hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He's the first Malgier protagonist to come <laughs> canonically. He, it's true.
0: I very much believe it.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I enjoy. There's a there's a whole bit I've been kind of working on. A bit, not the right word. Whole, I guess the the technical definition of the term bit, but uh, just about how differently this game sort of approaches similar politics, which I find really fascinating. And that whole the whole Jack the Ripper thing is like part of it. It's great. It's, it's, um, the best thing about this game, I think, is that it's been so easily memed and that, but yet that has not robbed it of anything. Like, I don't know. You see, at least from like 2016 to like 2018, 19, I saw the, uh, such a pretty meme exquisite. I saw that all the time and I still like, ah, what a great, what a great bit. What a great scene. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think just being a fun game in a way that most of the Metal Gears aren't being really just, like, super high-octane mm-hmm. allows it to sort of live through, like, allows some of the more ponderous... Well, hey, there's not that much of it in this game. I actually wish there was a little bit more. But it allows some of the ponderous stuff to just kind of fall off of you. This is the game that people who think Metal Gear is not political probably like the most. <laughs> Which is very
0: funny in retrospect, but...
1: It is very political. Yeah. In a way that is... I won't talk about it as much now, but I think, looking back, the bad guys in this game are just supposed to be the people who did the Iraq War. Like, that's just, like, this that's who they're supposed to stand in for.
0: Oh, God. I, I God, uh, Sundowner does look like Dick Cheney to me.
1: Yes, Sundowner looks like every Republican politician. Or Carl Rove. Yeah, because, I mean, Armstrong, Armstrong is... Is obviously representative of that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not
1: 100 how, sure how Mistral fits into it, but like, well, there's one other Winds of Destruction member who's not in the main game. He's in the uh, Blade Wolf DLC. He just gets killed horribly. He just straight up looks like the popular conception. He looks like every character on Generation Kill. Like all, all, the, all that popular conception of like the of like the Iraq war Marine. He just looks like that. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking about that because of it. And Sam is like a contract is like a hired PMC guy. He's not really in it. He is not fighting for ideology. He's just, it's just a contract. And then like Monsoon is like, I don't know, an undiagnosed sociopath who's just in the, in the Marines to shoot people. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I like the, I think it works just as a broad sort of thing. And it's just it, it, it's a different side of that kind of, of Kojima's same politics, because there is some deterrent stuff in there kind of obliquely. I was about to say,
0: I've specced out about two thirds of the game story so far for our coverage. And basically every third paragraph, I'm like, oh, it's picking up this theme from insert previous Metal Gear Solid title. Um, so like all the politics are still there, but it's just it's doing its own thing with them. Uh, it's not trying to be the same thing as Metal Gear Solid, both in— Well, because I think
1: Kojima's—one of his better attributes is that he doesn't— he has the same politics through all those games, but he doesn't really go back to the same themes that often. Mm -hmm. Or if he does, it's to be like, let this— let this whole game about that theme, like in 4. And so, like, this game is a lot less ponderous than you'd think a game that tries to touch on every other Metal Gear's politics simultaneously mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sounds, because it's just fun. Like, it, you can just, like, put that stuff aside and not pay attention to it. Just be like, the man cut a guy with a sword. Yes. And the game wants you to think that. And then the game wants you to cut more mans with swords and keep cutting mans with swords until you can't can't anymore. And it turns out you can cut a lot of mans with swords until you get tired of it.
0: Yeah, and not just mans,
1: but the women's and the children's, too. And, and, and dogs, and, and a big weird uh, robots, mm-hmm. and then a guy, a senator. It's great, it gets you really high. That's my review of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance.
0: A quick uh, fictional history catch-up since Guns of the Patriots. Jack attempted to have a civilian life with Rosemary and their kid, Rose. though his fucked-up cyborg body made him a bit of a social outcast as cyborgs were just starting to integrate into post-Patriots society he'd eventually find work in the military sector again as a security consultant and bodyguard. For his troubles, he got an upgraded cyborg body that looked a lot more human and quote-unquote normal. He would end up working for Maverick Security Consulting, thanks to a relationship with an old friend Boris, and would go on to work with Kevin Washington at the firm, both of whom who will be part of and support staff we will discuss in a minute. He'd work for them for three to four years leading into the events of this game. Raiden didn't see his family often, but did keep in touch. The game will start at the end of a long campaign of security and VIP protection for Prime Minister Nimani, whose undisclosed African country is trying to come out of a civil war. That will take us to this game story proper set in 2018. The last thing I'll mention is how well the game systems interact with the narrative. Your uh, heads-up display to start this game is basically the same as Metal Gear Solid 4, which is in line with Raiden having the same type of cybernetic outfit he had then. This form doesn't allow Zendatsu, as he doesn't have the proper upgrades yet. Following the introduction mission, Raiden will get a new heads-up display in Cyborg Vision mode to match his new armor, which will be outfitted with the systems necessary to perform Zendatsu and repair himself from fallen enemies. It's just a nice little touch to keep all the little gears in sync.
1: Yeah, it works. They changed the HUDs a good amount, like the, um, I'm pretty sure Sam and Blade Wolf have different HUDs also. It's just, it's a nice way to, um, externalize the, uh, classic Metal Gear weird tutorials, where it's just like a character telling you what buttons to press. It it makes it, it, makes that a little more seamless, I feel. It's good.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I mentioned this in our introduction episode, but it's not unlike Metal Gear Solid 2 where the tanker scene has a lot of Metal Gear Solid 1s um, look and feel. But then once the ride in part of the game starts, you have the whole new like game over screen and stuff like that. Next, we'll run down Raiden's support staff in this game, most of whom work directly for Maverick Security Consulting. Doctor is the main exception, as he's just an affiliated contractor. Raiden will add others to the codec call list through the game, namely Wolf, an AI cybernetic wolf, and Sunny, returning from Metal Gear Solid 4. We will talk about them when they pop up in the story. A little background on Maverick, a.k.a. MSC. They are essentially a PMC, but prefer the language Private Security Providers because the Guns of the Patriots incident was extremely bad for pre- PMC branding. The logo is a horse's head with a blue lightning bolt. The latter represents Raiden, but it's basically an off-color San Diego's charger design. Raiden was brought in specifically for VIP protection, though he also did training and military actions of his own. Running down the team, we have Boris. Boris. Vyacheslavich Popov, played by J.B. Blank. Vyacheslavovich, that's how you'd say Okay, it. thank you. That's why we have a white person on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a former Soviet soldier who participated in the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, linking us to MGSV. He's a friend of Sergei Golukovich from MGS2, and thus he's invested in the well-being of Sunny, Sunny who is Sergei's granddaughter. He is the president of Maverick, uh, the PMC Raiden is working for, formed after the Guns of the Patriots event with former members of Paradise Lost, which was Eva's force in Metal Gear Solid 4. And at times, Raiden calls Boris Control, which is what the main head of uh, the British Secret Service was called in the John Le Carr spy spy stories, like The Spy Who Came In From the Cold and Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy.
1: D.B. Blanc, who uh, is on Barry now. Oh wow, Star Barry, he's uh no Hank's boss, whatever his name is. He's in the new season. That guy. He's also voiced Bane like four hundred times.
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: He's a good Bane. He's he's really he's really he's really found a lane as a uh, not Anglo Anglo guy because I think he's British. Mm-hmm. But he's like one of those Brits who's like at, like I I remember looking this up. He's got like fourteen different ethnicities, so he's like calling in those cards. He can I can yeah I could be Latino. <laughs> yeah, I could be a Russian guy. He's a good actor. I like J.B. Blanc. I, I always I, I recognize his voice in a lot of things, and I like seeing him. He's a fine actor.
0: Yeah, and he's good in
1: this. Moving on, we have
0: Kevin Washington, played by Phil Lamar, who you will recall voiced Vamp back in Metal Gear Solid's 2 and 4.
1: You will also recall him being Phil Lamar. Yes, he has done a
0: lot of voice work. He worked at an NGO prior to working at Maverick doing DDR, which is not Dance Dance Revolution, but rather disarmament, demobilization, and reintegration following the fall of the Sons of the Patriot system. He's a jack of all trades at Maverick. He does briefings, procurement, client relations, HR, accounting, basically the guy they employ to do seven people's jobs so they don't have to take on more staff. And he's also the one who would recommend Courtney to the team, which gets us to Courtney Collins, played by Carrie Walgren. She is the data analyst, and thus she's the save mechanic in this game. Uh, she has an MBA, and she met Kevin at an undisclosed college, and part of her orientation into Maverick was being briefed on the Patriot system of control. Uh, they, she actually thought they were, like, fucking with her, and then it's like, no, this is actually what was actually happening. So, Lastly, we have Doctor, or his actual name, Wilhelm Voigt, played by Jim Ward, who you also may remember voiced Gronin back in Metal Gear Solid 3. He worked with uh, Doctor, specifically worked with magnets and walking technology in East Germany back during the Cold War, and this work led to the creation of UGs, or unmanned gears, which will be very prevalent in this
1: game. So Lamar, just people don't know, he was in Mad TV, he's in Pulp Fiction, and then he went on to be in everything that's ever existed, that's ever been animated. But maybe most famously is uh, Hermes in Futurama. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's also one side character in Star Wars and the Civil War Republic.
0: I don't know. I, I
1: know all of this. He's, he's gotten, gotten that <laughs> baby, and Carrie Walgren's just like I. I couldn't even think of anything specifically she's been in. Just everything, long time, voice actor. Yeah, then, and a lot of anime, a lot of like a lot of dubs, and then just like, a lot of like uh, Cartoon Network shows and stuff. Long time actor.
0: And then the the last note about Doctor is that he was brought in as a contractor to work with Maverick because he got into prosthetics and cybernetics, and he basically trains Raiden to use his new body, uh, which he also designed. Uh, in between the prologue and the story chapter, we're about to get into, you have like a brief VR training session, just where you are taught how to parry and ninja run, and a, or actually the ninja run was in the prologue, but um, there are a couple like tutorials so you learn how to attack and parry and all that stuff here.
1: Boris is one of my favorite, like, control characters in this series because I he's got maybe my favorite guy to hear just say, like, use R to Ninja Run. <laughs> I always like him saying that. It's fun. It's fun to hear him say that. Mm-hmm. Business ain't been the same since they shut down SOP. A clean break from the war economy. Huh? Well, some of us lack like that economy. How's an honest warmonger supposed to make a living?
0: Kicking off the game now, the story is broken down into a prologue, R00, and seven chapters, R01 through R07. The events take place in 2018, four years after the Guns of the Patriots, and three ish years into the existence of Maverick, Raiden's employer. This prologue chapter is titled Guard Duty. They had been working with Prime Minister Namani on security detail following a three year civil war. When the story starts, it seems as if peace had been restored to the nation and everything is going well. Somewhat to Namani's surprise, actually, he was wary of working with a PMC following Liquid's insurrection. They are a blight, a symbol of the dying war economy from the solid titles. Raiden had been providing security detail for the PM and other officials, and along with Maverick has helped train up the nation's military. Their emphasis has been on being a private security provider rather than a private army, and they even live by the code. There's a saying I like. One sword keeps another in the sheath. Sometimes the threat of violence alone is a deterrent. Sometimes by taking a life, others can be preserved. It's the code the samurai lived by. The game specifically talks about the threat of violence being a deterrent, which I want to flag given the parallel development this game had with Peace Walker and the emphasis of deterrence in that game. Nemani also calls Raiden a soldier and a philosopher, two of Metal Gear's favorite buzzwords. Raiden, Courtney, and the PM are sharing a limo in an official envoy when they are stopped by a single man blocking the road, a cyborg ninja, Sam- Samuel Rodriguez, or as we affectionately know him, Jetstream Sam. Though for the time, Raiden and Courtney are unable to identify Sam as he comes up as unaffiliated with any existing PMC. Sam takes out various APC and security guards as the limo tries to get away, but it too is ambushed by cyborgs. Under too much fire, Raiden takes to action for the first time, ditching his official outfit to reveal the ninja we all know and love, including his high-frequency blade. Him ditching his coat is a very similar animation to Snake shedding his skins in Metal Gear Solid's 2 and 4, or even Raiden when he shows up in South America to save Snake and Naomi. And his sword case reminds me of a guitar case, which then ends up giving me vibes from Antonio Banderas' Desperado, which I'm only noting that because Desperado is the name of the antagonist PMC in this game.
1: It's a cooler name. <laughs> you'd think, I, I, you'd feel like, I don't know, I always kind of felt like Maverick is seems like more of an evil PMC name. Like, I don't know. It's just I think it's because people called uh, people like Cheney and particularly McCain Mavericks for like twenty years to the point that I just associate that with like Republican like conservatism. That word, also you know, because that basketball team is owned by Mark Cuban. <laughs> um, desperado is like a cool a cool guy. That's cool to be a desperado.
0: To your point, I kind of think of it as a bad guy name because that's what all the Mega Man X uh, Mm -hmm. enemies were called. They were the Mavericks. Um, But I think it might also be like a Top Gun reference. Yeah, probably. Um, Top Gun, Desperado, those are all movies that kind of came from that same late 80s, early 90s milieu of action uh, films. So I can see that being a thing. I'm not sure if it is or not. Um, But that's kind of the connection I made between the two.
1: I don't know. It's fine. I like seeing Sam... um the the thickest boy in Metal Gear. We love him. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a thick boy.
0: The game gives you a brief tutorial on light and heavy attacks so you can work through the initial wave of enemies here. You know, just getting your feet wet with a couple of jobber cyborgs and Metal Gear. That's right, a Metal Gear Ray model arrives along with Sundowner, another of the game's major villains. Sundowner waxes a bit about how we could use a little more war in the world before we launch into our first proper boss fight, Metal Gear Ray. Brian, why don't you start? Because I know
1: you love this fight. It's great. It's um, it's a great representation of MGR as a whole, where it gives you, it's about the most predictable Metal Gear game, I think, pretty easily. It gives you exactly what you thought you were going to get, and it still rules. I don't know why or how anyone decided to mount a giant sword onto Metal Gear Ray, like a 400-foot sword, but, you know, whatever. Maybe they thought he'd be fighting Raiden at some point, and they wanted to prepare him. Then Raiden cuts through his sword like butter, like in any good samurai movie. So what you need in any good samurai movie is that your blade is sharper and more honed, so it just cuts through another sword like butter, which apparently is not as rare as you would think. You'd think swords shouldn't cut through each other, but apparently that happened quite a bit because a lot of those swords, you know, it's just folded metal and you don't fold it. There there are certain parts on every kind of sword where you can cut through them, apparently. I looked this up a few weeks ago because I was thinking about it, and I've just it's been in my brain for, oh, it's like 10 days ago. Anyways, this fight is great. It's just a perfect representation of like, this isn't your dad, your grandpa's Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. Like fuck you. Remember that. Remember that extremely powerful. It's a great. It's a great power scale for Raiden himself too. Because remember, remember when Raiden somehow fought like thirteen of these off, and it took him like an hour. Mm-hmm. And he's flipping around and barely dodging all this. Now he's just gonna throw. it. He's gonna pick it up and throw it up a bit, up a, up a clock tower, and cut into a five thousand pieces and kick the shit out of it. It's great.
0: Yeah, it feels like a very good logical progression from that to like him like spinning three geckos on his feet in Metal Gear Solid 4. Mm. Um, He should absolutely be able to do this, but it is it is just a great introductory battle because you get to practice a little bit with your blade mode um, and a lot of the ninja run stuff where you actually learn how to navigate like some of these bigger maps and battlefields. Um, and like you said, it sets a tone for this game. And I literally also have in my notes that it's not your daddy's Metal Gear. Yeah. Um, this game is altogether something different. Uh, most of these games end with a big mech fight, but very few start with them. Um, so I think like that in itself is already something that like kind of triggers something in someone who's played all the other Metal Gear Solid titles. You usually don't see something like this this early in the game. Um, we're still in a prologue chapter so um, I think it's it serves its purpose because it reminds you that everything here is very metal gear but it's not going to be like the solid titles
1: mm-hmm. it's also um mechanically it's a pretty decent uh way to teach the player how to avoid big damage because it, it metal gear attacks it attacks much slower than most of the other bosses so you're able to, you're able to use a ninja run to just run around and dodge it and you know if it Triggers, uh, lets you know what weak points look like in this game. Lets you know, like, how Zandatsu works, which is good. It's it's great. It's it's a, it's a solid like tutorial boss fight, and it's cool. The man throws a robot in the air and runs up it while cutting it to beat hundred pieces. The clock tower bit is like awesome. Like I can't. It, it looks great still for like a PS3 game.
0: Mm-hmm. After the battle, the player will get a summary sheet and a mission score, like Peace Walker. Time, kill count, damage taken all affect the letter grade you get, again from S to D. From here, Raiden is tasked with chasing down Sundowner and saving the Prime Minister. You'll encounter Rey again at this point, and you will eventually missile hop and cut this Metal Gear down for good. All the while, Sundowner was able to escape the military personnel surrounding him and hops on a train for the next sequence.
1: It's it's also a good introduction to how music works in this game. Which is, you know, dynamic. Dynamically done music. Not as, as dynamic as, like, Portal 2's was, because that would, would literally legitimately change depending on what you were doing. But it's good. It's just good to have, like, an underlying music, and then it, at certain moments it's just scripted to, like, ramp up really. Like, it's just great. Um, the best way I could describe, the best way to describe this fight is that it is it, it, the point in this game where it slams the pedal down, and then it um, does not stop for the rest of the game. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It just accelerates more and more until it it hits a wall at the end of the game and explodes, and then you're fighting a senator. You're fighting a sitting U.S. senator, which is such a great. But yeah, that's one of the things I meant to mention earlier about this game's politics. Um, it may be more anti-American than even Peace Walker was, mm-hmm. because I, feel, I would it. say so. Yeah, it's it's like just. Again, as as anti-American as Peace Walker is, Hot Goldman is a shadowy CAA dickhead who may or may not be sanctioned anymore. Whereas Armstrong is like, a, again a sitting U.S. senator, <laughs> a sitting a sitting U.S. senator with legitimate presidential hopes. Mm-hmm. Like so, it's like you're fighting Ted Cruz.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so
1: satisfying. Who wouldn't want to
0: do that? At the head of the train, Raiden finds Sundowner and Sam holding Nemani prisoner.
1: What about all the good things war has done for us? Why don't we ever hear speeches about that? Jobs, technology, a common purpose? Uh. Raiden, forget me. Stop him.
0: You ain't listening. Mind if I got in, all oh, we're saying—give war a
1: chance.
0: With that, Sundowner executes the Prime Minister and escapes, leaving Sam and Raiden alone. self and not half bad. Still. <laughs> But your technique lacks something. Uh, now I see. You deny your weapon its purpose. Huh? Uh. It yearns to bathe in the blood of your enemies, but you hold it back. Raiden gets absolutely crushed here, losing both his arm and his eye to Sam in the face-off. The fact that Raiden was losing red blood here stood out to me, given all the white blood he spilled in Metal Gear Solid 4. But before Raiden can be terminated, Boris arrives in an APC and shoots Sam off with some machine gun fire and an RPG.
1: Sam gets away, and Raiden passes out. I mean, no he doesn't. Sam leaves, for eyes of his own accord.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that... You know what I'm getting at.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a – so mild spoilers with Sam, but like the – his DLC thing really hammers home that he is not exactly a willing member of of this – of of Desperado. He – like it doesn't really come across that well in the game. But his DLC is basically – it's set not too far before the end of the game, and he's tracked them. He's taken his – it was like his brother's sword I think he has. His brother was killed by them. He was, like, in some sort of conflict, and he chases, he tracks Desperado down and just fights their his way up their whole tower, beats everybody's ass, and then fights Armstrong and manages to hurt him and then loses his arm. Armstrong takes his arm and basically enslaves him, like, puts a bomb in his head. I don't know if he puts a bomb in his head, but he does something like that to to guarantee Sam's obedience. So I I, I get the feeling on some playthroughs that Sam is hoping Raiden is able to help him, so he's just kind of... Mm-hmm. Um doesn't like aiming to not kill him to piss him off and get him to chase after them like he did because he thinks Ryden might be good enough to to defeat them and he's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and there's some cool moments here. Um, to take off Ryden's arm, Sam does that classic samurai sheath attack it has um, a, where they like keep
1: a gun on it too.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, where he kind of keeps the sword in a sheath and he just kind of whips it all out <sighs> and takes off his arm in one fashion that's like. Going back to Kurosawa movies, it's actually a move you can do an Elden Ring with the samurai swords. Um, very, very classic, very cinematic, um, and that that uh, following that, there is kind of this like low-health playable sequence where you're you, you're in control of Raiden, but he has one arm. Um, you're kind of limping around. Your entire heads-up display is, like, staticky. Um, that's one thing this game does, is when your health is low or you have these special, like, super-damaged uh, set pieces or sequences, like, your heads-up display is almost like an electronic that's about to sort out, which is in line with, you know, cy- uh, Cyborg Raiden.
1: It's, a, it's an idea because... Um Famously, Platinum games would work on another cyborg action game a few years later where they really take that idea and go fucking nuts with it. Uh, I'm talking about Nier Automata, of course. Um, so, that, 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 playing it again like last year, I was feeling like, oh, this is kind of a Nier shit. And then two seconds later, I was like, oh, yeah, Platinum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> same idea. Same idea, though. There's a lot of that in Nier where you're like, for story reasons, your HUD is damaged and. It's the same idea as, as how the HUD works before. Like, it has like an actual gameplay application or story application where it's like, there are parts, there are abilities you can't do until you unlock them. And once you do, they show up in your HUD. Like, it's, it's meant to actually represent what the character is seeing, I think, is what, what I like about it. It's not a, yeah. uh, it's, it's, di- it's diegetic in some way. It's not like a completely divorced from reality. It's, it's, it's not. It doesn't break the fourth wall. There's another word I'm looking for, but it's um, it's communicating to you and to the character at the same time. Like you're, it's able mm. to do both effectively, whereas most HUDs are meant to be just like straight up, out like it take place outside the game universe. They're for you only. That's why I like the like Dead Space does that, where like the HUD is the health bars in that game, or like a, a bar that's on his back the whole time. It's on his suit. And, like, all his guns have holographic ammo things that he looks at. The menu is, like, a thing that he pulls up. Mass Effect 3 took some of that stuff. Um, Halo and Metroid kind of exist in that, too, where it's sort of implied that the HUD is what... Well, with Metroid, it's, like, straight up. Like, you see her face a lot Metroid Prime, at least. Um, hmm. But in Halo, it's kind of implied that the HUD is, like, the inside of the visor that you're seeing, which is cool. I, I just enjoy stuff like that. I like... Um, a reason for the HUD to exist in game. And I think this mm-hmm. game does it great. And stuff like that is really an extension of that. We're like, you can't, your HUD's all messed up and your screen's all messed up because right. just lost an eye. You can't see properly, which is great. Yeah.
0: And we're going to just wrap there for today. And next time we will kick off the rising action with R01 coup d'etat. And yes, that was a pun on rising action. That's mission complete for this episode. Our frequency is podcast Sounds Frontiers at gmail.com and at PodSans front on Twitter and Instagram. You can support podcast Sounds Frontiers and all my other projects at patreon.com slash manuclearbomb. Which manuclearbomb? Hey, that's me. I've been Manu. You can find me covering the Lord of the Rings over at my brother, my captain, my podcast.
1: Uh, I'm Brian and I would like you for you to turn off my meme inhibitors. That's my name. Shout out
0: to our sound editor. (laughs) Shout out to our sound editor, Stephen Boyd, aka DJ Empirical on Twitter. Please remember to like, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast application. So until next time, remember, the war still rages within. Looking down. She is the data analyst data analyst wait data analyst there we go Analysis. it's not the pronunciation it's not it's not the spelling it's the pronunciation